0: Alright podcast fans, this week's episode is a repost of episode 54 with the great Yusef English of Hartsville High School in South Carolina. We're reposting this for several reasons. One, this was the coaches' clinic this week in South Carolina, so I got a chance to bump into and rub shoulders and elbows with all sorts of coaches, past guests of this show and future guests of this show as well. But bumped into Coach English and he said, hey, Rose, let's get you on our podcast, the Staley English Kurt Show, which is an awesome podcast. Get that wherever you get your podcast. So he'll be dropping that that episode sometime in the near future. You get to hear more of me. And well, who doesn't want that? Now, I know you don't want to hear more of me. But anyway, we're going to repost this episode. This was a great episode. Like I said, episode 54 with the great Youssef English. And just as a reminder, if you haven't checked out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball, I I highly encourage you to do that, and the Competitive Mindset Podcast. You hear me talk about it all the time with the great Billy Kegler. Get it wherever you get your podcast, the Competitive Mindset Podcast, and on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de
1: Blasio. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here, as always, with you on the Greatest Games podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, we don't put any cap on it. It can be their time as a third-grade coach, a B-team coach, varsity coach, a college coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game.
0: Well, Chris, we are going to one of the most bustling of metropolises, in South Carolina today for the Greatest Games podcast. And one of the um, – well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll leave it at that. It's a beautiful, beautiful town, but we got the head coach at Hartsville High School, Yusef English. Welcome <laughs> to the Greatest Games podcast.
1: I appreciate you guys for having me on. Thank you very much. And, Brian, in, in our pre-show uh, meeting in the green room, uh, we discovered something amazing about Coach English, and what would that amazing thing be?
0: um you are putting me on the spot here he's first of all he's an amazing guy he's got an amazing podcast with a couple of amazing guys josh Staley, Mike Kurtz, cl butler we'll talk more about that the relationship status podcast like go ahead chris what What do you got
1: Did you get the whole new
0: jersey thing oh he's from new jersey yeah i mean come on like I'm a South Carolina guy. Like, I mean, it's it's impressive, but I'll be honest, with you, I'd be more impressed if he was from Sumter, South Carolina. But I mean, I'm, I think it's great that he's from from Orange, New Jersey. But I mean, I'm
1: sorry, Chris. I'm I'm so sorry. I will I will mail you a card. He'll probably correct you. He's from Brooklyn, and people—oh, yeah. that's Brooklyn right, that's right—they're from Brooklyn.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I'm from Brooklyn, but I'm, I, I enjoyed my time in Orange, New Jersey.
1: They could have been uh, born and lived six days in Brooklyn, and now <laughs> lived in Indonesia for the last forty years, and they are from Brooklyn. See,
2: what's funny is I still get mail at my address in Brooklyn. Like,
1: I, my my
2: uh my dad lives in the house now. My grandma used to live there, and uh, she's passed on uh, a couple years ago, so my dad got the house. And so I still get mail in Brooklyn. My dad still calls me from time to time. Son, I need you to come pick up this mail. I said, Dad, I live in South Carolina. I don't care when you do it. I need you to come do it.
1: <laughs> Wait, next time you swing by. Yeah, next time you swing by.
2: And my mom lives in East Orange. Uh, so, and, and she's moved around a little bit. So I get no mail there. But, um, but
1: Brooklyn still.
2: Yeah, still Brooklyn. <laughs>
1: Coach, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey in coaching and how you got to where you are as the head coach at Hartsville today?
2: Um, Well, first off, if you would have told me when I got my first – when when someone gave me my first coaching job that I would be coaching today, I would have called you a liar. Um, And and God ain't in you. Um, I got – my first coaching job uh, was with – Coach Staley hired me as an assistant coach and a JV girls coach uh, with Orangeburg Wilkinson High School in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And uh, me and Josh, I mean, we hit it off from the first time we met from the interview. Um, And uh, my first game as a a JVA coach, uh, we played against, uh, oh gosh, in Columbia, Spring Valley. And, uh, we lost 57 to six and I drove on my drive home. I called my brother, uh, Daniel. And I was like, Hey man, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this coaching thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm out. One
2: day, I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm out. I, I don't think I need to be doing this coaching thing. And so he says, well, um, you know, what, what happened? I said, we lost. He said, uh, what was the score? I told him 56, uh, 57 to 6. He said some words that I can't mention on your show. And so uh, he said, well, I said, man, I don't know what to do. I don't think I'm going back. I'm about to call this coach and tell her I just ain't the one for the job. And he said, well, let's do this. He said, before you do that, he said, ask the girls to score seven. I mean, yeah, score seven the next game. I said, okay. So the next night we the two nights later we play um Lake Marion High School, and we lose twenty one to eleven so I get in the car, I call him again on my way home. I said, bruh, we did not man you it ain't work, it ain't work. I'm about to quit, I'm done with this i'm 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 I can't do this. I'm not a loser, never been a loser. i'm just not i can't do it and so he said, um, did they score seven I said, we lost twenty one to eleven he said well they they scored more than seven. And I was like, yeah, but that's not the point. And he said, well, just tell them to score 12 the next game. The next game we played Eau Claire, and I think we beat them like 35 to 12. And then it just kept rolling. And we ended up finishing the season like 15 and 3 or something like that. We lost to Spring Valley again, but we really didn't lose. We didn't lose to anyone else. Um, we only had three losses on a year. And then um, the Denmark Ola job opened, um, and I applied for it. And me and Josh uh, had some conversation about the job because they offered me the position and Josh initially said, don't take the job. And those who know Josh they he tells you how he feels at the moment. And so Josh says, Nope, don't take the job. Don't take the job. Please don't take the job. Cause that's not a good job. And he called me back like maybe an hour later. He says, no, that was selfish of me. He was like, I just wanted to keep you on staff. You need you, you, you need to take the job. And so I ended up taking the job because I wouldn't have taken it if he didn't, give, he didn't call me. If he didn't call me, I would probably still be one of his assistants. Um, but the kind of, the type of guy he is, he always wants to see people do good and, and do well for themselves. And it, I think his conscience took over him um, and he called. And um, I was at Denmark my first year. I uh, was pretty good. Um, and then my, my last year, uh, uh, which I was there for three years, my third year, um, we were we finished the season number one in the state. And we were the favorite to win state championship. And um, we were twenty-two and two at the time. And going rolling in the playoffs and and uh the last game we played Carver's Bay, which was gonna be the, the game I was gonna talk about because our uh, coach Jeff Mezzeteza over there, Carvers Bay did a great job that night and they ended up upsetting us that night. But it was a jam-packed wall-to-wall. Dog fight that uh, we ended up losing by two, um, uh, but uh, Josh called me. That was a Saturday game. Josh called me Sunday, and he said, "Hey man, you need to get your resume ready." And I was like, "For what?" He was like, "You about to get a call from Hartsville? Um, would you be interested?" I was like, "Yes." I, I told you um, that I'd be interested. I told him that I'd be interested, and so that I think Monday or Tuesday, Hartsville called and uh, Doctor Burry. Um, Thanks to him and um, the athletic director, Coach Griggs, um, I interviewed and they pretty much hired me on the spot. So that's how I ended up here. I've been here for four years. This is my fifth year coming up. And it's been a it's been a journey. Um, I've had the opportunity to coach a couple major D1 players and have a couple of more coming up in the ranks and. Um, yeah, so we, it's been it's been cool. I've I've enjoyed it. I live in Hartsville now, so I never. If you'd have told me that growing up, I'd have told you,
1: <laughs> where is that? Um, Nostrand Avenue, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, boy, from Nostrand
2: Avenue in Brooklyn, now living in the country parts of uh, <laughs> of South Carolina, where you literally to get to Hartsville, you drive through nothing, and then all of a sudden, this town shows up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, coach, be, before we go further, I. I do this to Brian every once in a while. Brian, this is just should be an easy one. It should be a layup.
0: Uh, we haven't done this in a long time. It's been about 16 episodes. What Gamecock great
1: is from Denmark, South Carolina. Gamecock basketball great. Oh, that song. Um... Yusuf, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't uh, say
0: okay. no, Yusuf, you go ahead because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Rose. This isn't easy. It's a bunny. I, I'm so sorry. i uh, I'll send you another card. I'm I'm so sorry. I don't know. Coach
1: English, who is it? If if I'm not mistaken,
2: you talk about Larry Davis.
1: Larry Davis. Oh yes. it's Coach Larry. Coach Larry Davis. Day. Yeah, he's
2: yeah. become one of a good uh a, a good well, I would say good friend, but he's been a good a good friend. Good friend to me, right? We, every time we see each other, it's always uh uh cool. and uh, and, uh, uh Dave Davis, is it Dave Davis? No. I'm missing another one. It's another guy. But he wasn't a Gamecock, Greg, but he's the head coach up at um, USC Upstate. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, is that Dickerson up there? Dave Dickerson, that's it. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dave
2: Dickerson played at uh, Denmark, at, at Denmark older as well.
0: Huh. Yeah, old Lair. We, we're, we're working to get him on the show here, too. And he's has <laughs> uh uh you know, coach the college a little bit. And he's a heck of a high school coach. Now they AD up at uh, York Prep, I believe it is. And Yeah. Uh, he uh, he called me the other day. He yeah, was a first year AD. He said, "Brian, how do you do this?" I said, "All right, I'll, I'll tell you what I know." But uh, you know, it's uh, one of those head spinning been a for uh first year. And it's funny, you stuff you going through that, and you talking about calling your brother after that fifty-seven to six loss, and just saying, "What a, I'm, I'm done." Chris, for me, was the the guy that was receiving those calls. I was a a girls' coach right out of college and coaching girls, and I we uh, I think we won six games my first year, and I was the same way. I was like, "We I don't, I'm not used to losing games." And after every game I call up Chris, dude, we scored 12 points. We, we can't get the ball across half court. It's, it's so – you know, it's, it's such a different game coaching girls you know, when we're used to being around coaching guys. But I, it's, it's interesting to hear what your brother said to you. So my question to you, now that you've been around a long time and you've coached some really, really high-level kids on the boys' side, what would you tell Yusef, however, eight to ten years ago, what would you tell yourself to just keep yourself going – as you were getting your brains beat in, as a, as a JV girls <laughs> coach,
2: just ask him to score seven. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, it, what I what I pretty much tell the people that call me now. Um, I get a couple of phone calls now because uh, I, I feel like um, I feel like I have two jobs as a coach now. Um, one of them is to make sure that my kids graduate and go to college, um, whether it's to play basketball or just to become great young men, whether it's college or you know, the military, just making sure they graduate, graduating. And then my second thing is to hire young coaches that have aspirations of being a head coach and then kind of grooming them within the program, giving them um, some people try to build a staff that's going to stay. I try to build a staff of young uh, guys who want to be head coaches. And so um, I have a couple of guys who have gone on and gotten head coaching jobs themselves uh, in other places. And so it's, um it's a, uh, you know, and people always kind of get on me about the turnover, but um, I just tell them, just stay true to yourself, be yourself, um, and, and, and try your best to outwork yourself. I think cause you need to be your own competition. Um, and it, and you know, whether you're working your hardest or not. Um, I prepare, I think some people say I overprepare, but, I'm a film nut. So I, I, my teams are always prepared. Now, whether my kids play and the ball goes in the hoop, (laughs) you can't control that. Like I can't go play the game for them, um, but they'll be prepared. Um, I learned that from one of the guys I call, I call Josh and there's another guy coach. Tim Gates is one of my mentors who I I call him. I early in my career, I called him a lot. Um, X's and O's. He's probably one of the best coaches I've been around, uh, as coach Tim Gates. Um, and and he always used to just he was very meticulous about preparation. Um, so that's that's just 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 outwork yourself uh, when it comes from player development to just game prep. Just outwork yourself.
0: I think that's so huge. I mean, I I remember being, so I was coaching JV girls and varsity girls at the same time in a small school in St. Matthews. I remember thinking it was just, I had the biggest job in the world. I was 22 years old. Like everybody was looking at me. And reality is most people didn't really care what I was doing, but like what you're talking about film prep practice planning, that's where I cut mm-hmm. my teeth and I approached every day like it was a Super Bowl. Like it's oh we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta get ready for you know whoever we're playing. And we gotta I gotta watch all this film, staying up late, getting up early. I'm the first one of the school, last one to leave. And that's mm-hmm. that's where I built my skills and it sounds like that's what you did. And just to reference too, you mentioned Josh Staley a couple of times. What a great guy. He was episode nineteen on this on this show here, The Greatest Games and he just brought a whole lot of wisdom there. I would encourage fans to go back and listen to that show. He is just a top notch mm-hmm guy just like yourself
2: you're you said he's unbelievable listen he's a great kid he's become a great great guy he's been uh, he's become uh, our families have become close so uh, he's become uncle josh to my kids and (laughs) um (laughs) and uh uh, him and his wife are uh, great people and um just to be around him a lot of times uh he's funny i I don't know if you've ever had i he's a one of the most hilarious people i know he is hilarious. Um, so if, you, if anybody ever gets a chance to be around him like that, he's a really, really funny guy. Um, I think uh, the only time me and him haven't talked is uh, uh, when he beat me last season during the season and in the playoffs. We didn't talk the next day. And my son, funny story, and I know y'all got we got a, a show to get to, but um, uh, of course he's Uncle Josh. So when we lost the game uh, – to them in the playoffs, my son wouldn't talk to him after the game. <laughs> my son Amir came to every game last season, and so my son would not talk to him after the game. <laughs> he was very mad. He was very mad with his Uncle Josh. <laughs>
0: That's funny. And rightly so. Like, what does it mean? Come on, Uncle Josh. Why are you meeting my dad? I don't get it.
1: I thought you were going to say, and it, it, I heard a story a year, probably six, seven years ago. I thought you were going to say he was rooting for Coach Josh's team because uh, I heard Tom Izzo told a story on the radio one time during the NCAA tournament that it was one of the years they were really favored to win the title. Like they had a really good team, and so was Duke. And his son picked Duke in his bracket. And <laughs> and the kid was like, "Well, I like Coach K," and he's like, "Well, what about Dad?" <laughs> like, you know, like. <laughs>
2: Yeah, not my son. My my son is whatever team dad is coaching, that's where he is.
1: He's got loyalty. I'm like Izzo's kid. He's rooting for the other guy. Uh, Coach, I love what you said also about hiring a staff or hiring people that aspire to go on that want to work hard. We've had, Brian, I don't know, in the last 10 or 12 episodes, we've had six or seven coaches say that about their staffs or about assistant coaches, and uh, that's that's great to hear. But, Coach, what I wanted to ask you was, and you talked, you've had several Division One players. I know we're going to talk about one specifically with the game that you're going to talk about coming up. What is your role – in the recruiting process? How do you help them? How do you help their families? You know, what do you see your role as the high school coach while these kids are being recruited?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing, and I had to learn it, um, the, 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 the biggest thing I think for a high school coach within the recruiting process is to make sure that the college coaches have the access to the information that they need. That they need. Um, well, okay, let's go before that. Before all of that. Um, you have to have Kids that are going to be eligible. That's, you have to make sure that your kids are going to be eligible. Like that's the first thing you need to do before you talk about anything else. Because um, I remember um, I was a I wasn't coaching basketball yet, but uh, there was a kid at a high school I was working at, and I won't mention the school because I don't want to put the coach on the spot. But I um I called uh, Coach Gates and I said, "Hey man, there's a kid down here that I think would fit." Is when Coach Gates was at Allen. Um and I said, hey, Coach Gates, I think it's a kid you could get. He, he's your kind of player. I, I know that he's going to have a tough time getting it because he's undersized. I said, but he's a guy I know you can use. He asked me what school I was at. I told him. And he said, oh, oh, coach, don't worry about it. I said, what you mean don't worry about it? He says, "Uh, they don't produce eligible kids. Mm. Wow. So that coach doesn't produce eligible kids. And I was like, wait, hold on, what? He said, you can go check if you want to, but that coach doesn't produce eligible kids. And what I found out, Um, is I went and checked and what I found out is the kid had played all four years of high school but was listed as a freshman still now how was that happening they kept moving the kid in and out of certificate track Mm -hmm. and so when it came time for the season when it came to the end of the school year they would put him into into non-diploma track as far as special ed was concerned and then they would put him back in and they just kept doing that to keep him eligible now, where's this kid now? No one knows. But I, I, I learned then that I needed to make sure that I put my kids in. A, when they come, I need to be able to hand them a transcript that I can be proud of um, and, and to have them academically eligible. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants to be known as a school that doesn't produce eligible kids. So um, we make sure we have uh, we have tutoring every day. They have to go to study hall every day after school. Then we go to weight room. Then we have practice. You know, that's the first thing after school. So I think that I, I need to make sure that the coaches have. So getting back to the point, I think we need to have make sure that we have eligible kids. I need to make sure that the kids, the, the coaches have access to all the information, um, including full games. Um, and I think you have to put there's there's, there's a, 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 an entity that some coaches don't want to embrace. And that is the AAU circuit. or or grassroots basketball, so to speak. And I think that they play a part. And I think that a part of my role is helping the kids to play with the programs that are going to help them to get the exposure that's necessary for the college coaches to see them. Um, And I got that from a clinic I went to once Um, a coach was there and I was asking him pretty much almost the same question as you're asking. And um, he said, here's the thing he said i could come to a high school game and see maybe one two players or i can go to this tournament and in one day see a hundred he was like which one is more beneficial for me in my time and so it made sense so i started to embrace these relationships with these different aau programs and these different grassroots programs to help the kids go into those directions and then after that it's just about um informing the kid just hey man At the end of the day, it's you and your family's decision. And and really a part of a coach's job in the recruiting process is staying out the way. Like, just stay out the way. Let the the parents, let the kids talk to the college coaches because it's not about you. And I think a lot of times some of the high school coaches make it about them. And personally, I like the relationships that I've built built with the different staffs over time. Um, too many to name different college coaches I could talk call at any moment and 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 have conversations with, but I left it up to the kids. I was very rarely i was on the phone with them to talk about character to talk about what do, what they think they can do, what I think they need to work on, but after that it 's up to the kid to the kid and their family. I tell them don 't ask me anything like ask the ask the school all the questions because i've i 've been asked. What do you think about this school? And I turned it back on them. Well, what do you think about that school? That's because I'm, not, I, I'm not the one that has to go sit in class. I'm not the one that has to go to practice. I'm not the one that has to play for the coach. I'm, I'm just not the one. So at the end of the day, what is it? What is it that you're looking for from a school? Like, do you want to leave the state? Do you want to go far away from home? Do you want to stay? Um, um, you know, what are these different factors? What's important to you? And that's it. And once you figure out what's important to you, you can narrow down your search. And that's the only thing I feel like my job is to aid them, aid them in narrowing down their search without my influence. If that's that a, makes any kind of sense.
1: No, no. I was just gonna say that's like a five minute PSA on what a high school coach should do for uh, an athlete that's being recruited in any sport, not just basketball. In any oh, yeah. sport. And and you you hit the the main thing on the head. And I've I've said it on this podcast before, and I'll say it again. If I have a kid or I know a kid is being recruited, I say, listen, by the time they call here or come to see you, they already know you can play. Mm -hmm. They want to know what your grades are. That's the first question out of any good coach's mouth. What are his grades? Then what type of kid is he? I know he can play. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, we're going to talk about uh, Trey Hannibal. Frank Martin knew Trey could play. Oh, yeah. By the time he called you, he already knew he could. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It was just a matter of you know what is his grades. See now, what we what we also do is, um, I got a, uh, a I have an NCAA worksheet on a um, Google spreadsheet on a Google sheet, and every every um, semester we update the information, and we let the kids know where they stand. We let the kids and the parents know where they stand according to the spreadsheet because we share it with the parent. And we share it with the kid. And and as the official transcripts come out, we just plug the information in. And then it helps us moving forward with me getting with guidance in changing. I wouldn't say changing classes, but setting up their schedules so that they're going to be eligible coming out. Absolutely. So we say, hey, look, he needs to take another math. Okay, so we'll take an I had a student that had to take another math to replace a math. He messed up his freshman year. So we went ahead and got that scheduled his for his senior year for his first semester senior year because we because he wanted to commit in early in in, in the year so we wanted to make sure he was lined up to do that um, he didn't want to wait till April he wanted to get it done in January and in February so we had to wait till that came out to go ahead and commit so I mean it's just once you once once the and you'll be amazed. And I don't know why more coaches don't do it. I don't know if they do it, if they don't do it, but you'll be amazed at how hard these kids work when they know what they need to get in a class to be eligible to play. Like they'll work their behinds off to get, hey man, you need to get you need to get an A because you got a, a C in this class, but you got to get an A to even it out. And so they'll bust their behind and get that A. And then with me, I then go and talk to the teacher and say, hey, if he does any slip, let me know, and we'll go ahead and we'll get whatever needs to get done. And that's it. And the kids, they, they they rise to the occasion. I have yet to have a kid not rise to that occasion.
0: Chris, you said it well. That is an absolutely amazing PSA, Coach, that, that you just went through for what it means to be a high school coach, the service that you provide to those young men and for all coaches, young men and young women alike of across all sports to be able to, to give them the target and say, here, here's the full information. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you like it is and go get it. If you want it, go get it. And, and laying that out in front of them and clearing that space for them. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, and I, I go back to that part, that that part of your story We said Josh called you and said, Hey, get your resume ready, Hartsville is going to be calling you. And I'm sure Hartsville was calling you because they knew you are a good basketball coach and you could coach and you, you got good kids and you, you taught good skills and all of that. But I guarantee you, more than that, they knew all of the other stuff that you just ran through about academics, <laughs> character development, all that. That's what got you that job. In addition to being a great basketball coach, and that's I want to be able to say that to all their coaches listening here. Like, it's not just about winning games. Like, you're you're going to have a long career because of everything that you just ran through. And I love every bit of what you just said.
2: And and it's, it's funny you say that because um, when I got hired at Denmark, um, Coach Gates called me and he said, "Man, hey, you know." you do know what your first job is. And I said, no, yeah, I got to win games. (laughs) He was like, no, your first job is to make sure that you are producing positive young men. He said, your second job is to make sure they graduate and have a plan after graduation. And he says, if all of that works out, he said, winning happens. He said, it'll just happen. Mm -hmm. If you focus on that stuff, winning, it just happened for you. Um, and so, it, and it has. I mean, I've had a successful. I mean, I don't have a state championship yet, but this—I—I've I, never lost sleep over that. I've never lost sleep over not having a state championship or not being to a lower state or upper state championship game. I just never lost sleep because my kids are graduating on time, and they're going to to college, um, and and that's—I think that's why I love to win there more than more than any place else. Now, would I like one? Yes, I would. I would very much so, (laughs) I would very much so like a state championship, but, um, I think that you can't, that's, that's something that you may never get to. So what do you want to hang your hat on? You know, what really do you want to hang your hat on is is what you got to ask yourself at the end of the day. You can, you can be a person that has a bunch of state titles, but no kid to speak of has gone on and done anything with their life or, or. So what, what is it that you really, really, what are you teaching the kids about life and what kind of role model are you being for them and stuff like that? Like, and and then another thing for young coaches, um, see, I, yeah, Hartsville called me, but when I went, it was funny that you said something about character and, and academics. Um, when I went, I, I'm an English teacher and I, just as hard as I work on the court, I work in my classroom. And so my principal at Denmark, um, told Dr. Burry, he said, if you like them as a coach, you're going to love them as a teacher. And so that was another selling point because I attacked each part of my life with I'm going to outwork myself. And so that once a, once a if you can have a, a high school coach on campus, and you know this, Ryan, if you can have a coach on campus, that can actually be an asset outside of the court. I mean, you gotta you you end up with something there that you really don't want to lose, you don't want to get rid of. So I think I've been able to to just attack that, um, the character side and the academic side so hard, so that the kids are just you know when they leave me they're ready.
0: Right, yeah, it's 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 a it's a slam dunk, no pun intended for to, yeah. for for coaches and, and schools to be able to hire you and. Um, and I, I, I knew that was going to be the case about you in the classroom and you're right. I mean, that's the principles will be falling all over themselves for, for, yeah. for coaches like you he's a good basketball coach. He's caring about character academics and he can teach. Yes, please, please, please. <laughs> Get him to sign.
2: That is an Achilles heel at the same time when I when I don't want to be in the classroom anymore.
0: <laughs> I understand.
2: I understand. When understand. They, while they're giving me a full load of EOC classes, uh, it is it is an Achilles heel. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, I mean, to, to wrap that up though, Coach, I mean, you know, like you said, you, you've you gotten close state championship-wise. It's going to happen, and and even if it doesn't happen, I've, I've, I've made my views very clear here on, on this show, and I mean, I've talked about my cross-country journey. I fell, fell in the coaching cross country we finished second twice but I had groups of kids that just absolutely worked their tails off got a mm-hmm. call from a kid the other day works for Ernst and Young travels the country Over before COVID was traveling the country just got married and i and just that that's the stuff like okay we finished second who cares this kid has <laughs> just gone out and created an unbelievable life and not that I had anything to do with it but we just had that Type of culture where we were pushing each other we mm-hmm. held them accountable all that stuff and he just flourished and that you know so anyway that's that's what it's all about i mean you know state oh, yeah. championships are great but come on now we're, we're doing a lot bigger things than that but <laughs> we, i could go on i'll, I'll step off my uh soapbox soap right? so, <laughs> so, but let's get to the 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 main uh, main attraction for this show uh the the greatest games which is the name of the podcast of course so take us into the gym tell us all about your greatest game
2: Uh, Greatest game Like I said It was between The Denmark Ola game Versus Carvers Bay Shouts out to Jeff Mez My mom Became a friend of mine That night uh, Coach Mez Love him to death But I had to go with The um, playoff game Two years ago Against um, uh, Wilson High School And Derek McQueen It's funny How after these people Beat me We end up being Good friends Who has (laughs) not become Derek's become A good friend of mine now Um, uh, We collaborate On on a bunch of Different things But um, That 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 game was actually supposed to be played the day earlier um i was supposed to be played i think on tuesday but we ended up playing it on wednesday and what happened was we have a routine um in the playoffs where i purposely no i can't give away all my secrets but but like one of my players ended up breaking the rim shattered the entire backboard
0: Wow.
2: Okay. Um, before the game starts, uh, while we're in our pregame stuff, but we're not in warm-ups or anything. We're just we come out, we do have a shoot around, um, just to kind of get used to the court. We use both sides of the court, stuff like that. And then one of my guys, uh DeMonte K. now at uh who's now at uh, um Clemson University, he he goes up, he's a six seven defensive end, he's about two two whatever, 250 or 260. He goes up and dunks it and shatters the entire backboard. So needless to say, the game was over (laughs) before it started. So, um, And I've always said, if we played that night, we were so fired up that night. So we had to get back on the bus, go back home to do it again. The next night, we had to figure out if Wilson was going to actually be able to get a backboard up in time and use an AD know how rough that might be.
0: Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> My worst nightmare. the I'm like, uh, what fans hang out for about eight hours. We're going to figure it out. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So went, went through that. And, um, and so I'm all hyped up. So now I got to get them back up again. The next day we go through another pregame meal, all the process. And then we get there. And of course we have to tell Cuddy don't dunk. Of course. Don't 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 do it again. Um, we get there. Um, already there's a line outside the door and we show up early. And I mean the, the the gym's electric. Wilson is a great environment. Um they they have a great fan base and so does Hartsville. So Hartsville traveled that night. Um, I'm I actually have the game playing on the screen uh next to me right now and I'm just glancing over <laughs> and I'm looking and it's like standing room only. The game was extremely intense, Um, but uh, the start from the start, you just knew it was going to be one of those nights. Um, And then we started out. We went on a. uh, We finished the first. I mean, Trey came out. Trey came out on a mission. Um, Prior to that game, uh, I'm gonna tell you, nobody knows this. Prior to that game, we were waiting to leave, and so we were watching a number of different videos and he actually watched uh, the Michael Jordan playoff game where he scored 60-whatever prior to that game. I'm talking about watched everything. And if
1: you watch the tape – Coach English, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I'm going to ask Brian the trivia question that he's not going to get.
0: Can we just go (laughs) ahead and just give me the X and just keep going because this is a great story. But go ahead, Chris. Go ahead.
1: Who did Jordan score the 67 against in the playoffs?
0: Was that the Cavs? Okay. Coach English? Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics. Celtics. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay, great. great. Go ahead with your great story there, Eustace. Please.
2: So, um, so he came out. He came out on a mission. Trey had been. We've been knocked out of the playoffs twice. Um, and Trey told me um, prior to that game that he wasn't going to lose that game. They just going. He's refusing. I'm not going to lose that game. Um, we had a young Cesar Edwards who's now a Xavier commit. Um, he was. He's a sophomore at the time. Um, a lot of our key players, uh, that year, um, were younger and, and then we had some seniors around them and we just came to play. Like we opened up, um, I think the end of the first quarter was 17 to 10. Trey might've had 12 of those points just from watching the game right now. And it wasn't forced. Um, he, everything we did was within our offensive sets within transition offense. I think they were shocked at what we were able to do in the first quarter, um, and then, just like what happens in any basketball game, the kids stop listening. And in the, <laughs> to open up the second quarter, uh, Deshaun Brackett, who we said we needed to keep out of the middle of the lane, we needed to keep them out of the middle of the lane. Uh, Deshaun Brackett kept getting to a spot because he was a good. He was good from the free throw line. He liked to drive and pull up. And we told him to force him to the base to sideline. And one of the guys off the bench, little Jordan Blue, uh, he, he kept letting him to the middle of the lane. And Deshaun Brackett reeled off about seven straight points. Uh, no, actually eight straight back. He scored four straight baskets off the same spot. And, uh, they end up going up, they end up taking the lead on us. Um, and then they, uh, I think it was 22, 22 to 19 was what it was. Uh, we ended up tying it up by halftime. Um, we came out in the second half flat. I mean super flat. Uh, we settled for a bunch of jump shots. They got some rebounds. Um uh they had some they had some very key, they had some very key steals and long rebounds and it just I started shaking my head, had to call a timeout. It got really frustrating. Um but the person that kept us in the game was uh Trey, Trey just refused to quit. Uh, got to the line a bunch of times. Um rebounded. He did everything he possibly could that night. Um we ended up uh, down, we were down, uh, I could tell you exactly how much it was, hold on, in the fourth, because it was a back and forth, it was a back and forth battle the entire time of that game. I mean, they might go up 10, then we would go up five, and it was just back and forth. Derek did a great job of adjusting um, that night. Um, I just think it was amazing how uh, his how his coach, him and his coaching staff uh, did, did with getting their kids um, just – to continue to play hard. Um, we were down um, nope, yeah, we were down eighty, eighty-one 81 to, 81 to 80 with uh, how much time is on that clock? Uh, 14 seconds. We were down 81 to 80. Um, and we put in a kid who's never played a lick of varsity basketball because we pulled him up from JV. Uh, Darian Pentagrass he actually has committed to play baseball at USC, okay. just to give him a little shout out. But he was the fastest kid on the team. And so we put him out there. He gets a steal and passes. Kid never played. He, always, he very, very rarely played on JV. But he was such a good kid, we pulled him up. And so my JV coach said, put, put, put DP in. He'll get the steal. He'll get the steal. And we needed it bad. And he got the steal, passed it to Trey. Trey gets fouled. He goes to the line. He hits both. And we end up. I'm sorry. We were, it was tied up at 81. He hits both, and it's 81, 80, 80, 81, 83 after his two free throws. And then we got the game. We feel like we have the game sealed. All we have to do is get a stop. That's it. And then I, I have I have argued with a couple of the referees every time I see him. Now we had the phantom foul call, which I think. But uh, they go to the line. They hit two. Um, uh, of course, the kids are like, we've already got it. There's no way this kid is going to hit both his free throws. Allen Williamson drains both free throws. That's uh, 83-83. We get it across half court. Um, I wanted – I told – me and Trey usually are in sync, and I'll look at him from across the court, and he will know what I want him to do. So I gave him the signal to to run it, and we just we just – if we don't get a basket, we don't get a basket. But the ball's in your hands. We'll finish it. It's 11 seconds. I want you to go with it. I don't know what he thought I said. He comes across half court and calls a timeout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so now I go, okay, well, that's fine. All right. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll, um, we'll go ahead and we'll, we call the play to get him the ball. Cause at the point, I think he might have, we thought he might have had like 40-something points. We knew he'd been scoring, but we we had no clue what it was going to end up being. (laughs) And so I said, man, look, if we're going to, you know, they always say, uh, uh, ride the horse that got you there. So, hey, man, look, we're just going to inbound it to you. You get to the basket. One of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to make it or they're going to foul you. He goes up, they foul him. But they call it, nope, they didn't. They, they fouled him, but uh, one of the guys blocked the ball. It went out of bounds. So now we have maybe four seconds on the clock. So you have time for nothing else but a catch and shoot, right? So here's where I lost the game. <laughs> and I think as a coach, sometimes you have to look back on the mistakes you make. Uh, Cesar at this time is having a great second half. I think he has about 18 points in the half. Um, Trey is on fire. So I put him and Trey down on the baseline. Now we have a kid named AJ Cuffy who's now playing at Mendocino State out in California. Um, AJ Cuffy. if I give him this shot 10 more times, he hits the shot 10 times. So we drop a play for AJ. We, sh- we run Trey and Cesar's decoys. I say, AJ, you're going to be wide open. Just take the shot. AJ looks at me and says, No, (laughs) I don't want to. He had a look in his face like he did not want the ball. Like, please, God, give it to anybody else but me. I said, AJ, you got it. It's the shot you hit every day. This is, you'll make it. Uh, So Shaquez knew he was taking out the ball. He was our best passer. We ran Trey and Cesar on the cross screen on the block. And they did what we thought they were going to do. They collapsed completely on Cesar and Trey to not get the layup. We ran AJ Cuffey to the elbow. He's wide open. He catches the ball. Shaquez passes it to him and just like steps in bounds because his momentum took him in bounds. AJ does not shoot it. He passes it back to Shaquez with like two seconds on the clock. Shaquez flips up a three. Shaquez is also our best three point shooter. And needless to say, it was off. <laughs> it missed. I think it ended up, it was an air ball. I just watched it. And we go into overtime. Um, so we end up in overtime. Uh, once again, we're going back and forth. We end up down again. Uh, we end up down 91 85. We need some steals again. Um, DP comes in again, gets a steal. And we pull in and. I, I I think they ended up we ended up losing. We just we couldn't close the deal. Um 9792. 9792? Yeah. yeah, we ended up having to, you know when you get to that point we have to kind of play the file game. Mm. Yeah, we ended up having to do that um at the end of the game. I had to end up playing the file game and um to be a part of that game was just I mean it was one of it was the single uh best game I've ever had the ability had the opportunity to coach It was amazing. Trey finished with sixty-two points, twenty rebounds, nine assists, um, eight steals. If you asked him to do it that night, he did it. Cesar finished with about, I think, uh, Cesar finished with twenty. I'm I'm trying to look, trying to get the stats from that game, real quick. Um, He he, I mean, it was just uh, one of those things. uh, I don't think you could. uh, and I told Trey, I said, if you want to go out, that's how you want to go out. If there's a way you're going to go out, that's just the way you want to go out. There's nothing else. You could have done nothing. There was nothing else you could have done that night. And I think there was nothing else as a team that we could have done. I probably should have just – I should have just gave Trey the ball at the end of the game and just said <laughs> – I shouldn't have tried to outsmart myself and that's where I feel like uh-huh. I'm going to I tried – I outsmarted myself that night. I should have just – I should have just gave it to him. I knew he would have at least gotten fouled. We would have hit one free throw and we would have been playing, uh, Brian and, that, uh, we would have been playing Ridgeview that, that, uh, in a couple of weeks.
1: Everyone's <laughs> trying to play Ridgeview. Uh,
2: man, listen, I, we, I mean, we knew they were going to get there and I thought, uh, that year we were probably the best match for them. That's what we thought. Yeah. You know, but then again, every team thought that. So
0: <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it. That would have been a fun one. Yeah.
2: Been. So, um, it was amazing to see the drive and trade that night. Um, the way he wanted uh, – the way he just – he wanted uh, – he just wanted his team to win that night. And that wasn't in, that was just one of those games I, I think will always go down in my memory um, is, is he just wanted – he just wanted to win that game that night.
0: Well, Chris, now I've got some trivia questions for you. Trey Hannibal goes for 62 that night without looking – at the article that I know you're probably already looking at. I already saw it. I already oh, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> former Gamecock, I'll just go ahead and say, former Gamecock Larry Davis goes for 64 in 1991. I mentioned Larry earlier on the on the show. Devin Downey goes for 67, but the state record in South Carolina Midway, I guess that's Midway High School. Kenneth Robinson scored 108 back in 1961, but 62 points by Trey Hannibal, unbelievable. You know, and Coach, I'm just I'm struck by your entire story about starting out as a JV coach, working your way up the ranks, doing everything the right way, doing it the right way in the classroom as a teacher and then with your kids and then coming into this game here where you, this is a game that you, on the scoreboard, you lose. But you are able to sleep well at night and know yeah. that, yeah, you know, okay, maybe I could have given Trey the ball to But you didn't second guess any, of the, any anything that you did at that point. Your kids played their tails off. You coast your tail off and you lost the game. And okay, like it, it's disappointing. It's it's tough, but you know what? Lessons learned and move on. And here we go. We're just gonna pick up and keep moving on. And obviously, Trey's going on to have a great career so far in University of South Carolina. And Cesar's gonna do great things up at Xavier with our guy Matt Jennings, who is also a, a member of our podcast family here as well, the <laughs> strength coach up at Xavier. Um, if you haven't had a chance to talk to him, you got definitely have to. What he's a great guy and a real hoot. But my point is, is it, what a beautiful way to encapsulate your entire career in this game that just didn't really go your way.
2: Yeah, and I got to give credit to uh, Derrick McQueen and, and Wilson. They they played their tails off that night um, as well. Um, it, we just when, – when we didn't get it in regulation, I knew it was going to be tough to do in overtime. I just – I knew it was going to be tough. That's why I put so much into that one play. Um, I, I just I, – I was just like – I knew I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night if – if I didn't do it the way I wanted to. And then another thing I think um, you can always tell if a kid gave it their all at the end of a, at the end of a playoff loss. If they gave it everything, they're not going to be in there
1: crying and everything else. Oh, thank coach. That's the greatest thing ever said on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> he's not the kid kicking the locker and doing that BS. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's no voting.
2: Yeah. He's, he's not going to be the one crying. It's not That night we didn't have a lot of tears. We didn't have a lot of people saying, man, we should have, could have and would have. Like Trey went, Trey went down the line and, and gave everybody five, high five. And he was not disappointed in his teammates, none. Um, his teammates weren't disappointed. Cesar head held up. Um, every kid gave everything that night. And so there was very few people like really with tears in their eyes. If it was, it was probably the seniors because it was kind of that was their last game. And we after every um, whatever it is, whatever our last game is, I always have the seniors talk to the underclassmen in the locker room right after the game and just give them some words of wisdom um, about their years there um, and what they think, you know, what, what 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 should they what what maybe they should have done different. And that night, I mean, there was really literally nothing to, for them guys to look back on and say, hey, I should have I could have I would Now, not done had some people do some crazy things when they know they did not give it their all. And, and and if you gave it everything you got, you left it on the table, there's there's nothing for you to really be down about. And those kids, you can tell the ones that gave it their own because they're not in there. They may be down about the loss, but they're not in there acting a, a plum dumb fool.
1: Coach, before I wrap up with our final question, I just want to say, all the things you said about what a coach should do in the recruiting process, clearly – it wasn't lip service because you just went through that whole story and you talked about a kid playing football at Clemson, a kid playing basketball at South Carolina, a kid playing basketball at Xavier, a kid playing baseball at South Carolina, a kid playing uh, basketball at Mendocino Junior College in California. Yeah, we so got. Uh, it's, uh, uh, obvious, Rod- it's obvious that that everything you said there was true.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had uh, on that floor as well was Rod Gaddison. He's at a junior college. Uh, he's 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 at a junior college out in uh, Middle. It's in Tennessee, um, but he's uh, just got recruited. He's getting recruited by Tennessee. Um, also on that roster was uh, Ray um, O'Neill, who's out at Mendocino State. Um, so I mean, we've had you know it's a, a good bit of of kids. Um, Shaquez Pendergrass also at a junior college uh, playing basketball. Um, so it's been it. it I think that you have to pride yourself on, on something. And, and I, I just pride myself on the kids going on and doing something and it can't be wins and losses.
1: Right. Well, listen, you've given those kids the, the forum and you've helped them get through high school and they've graduated and they've gone on to college. And then at some point it becomes about them, but they obviously have the character that those kids are going to go on and be successful.
2: Yeah. That's, but, that's just what we hope. That's just, I think that you've got to just put your faith in you as a person and that you're doing the right thing by the kid, like just do the right thing by the kid. Like if you live your life doing the right thing by your by your team, no matter they can criticize you. I'm criticized every day here for not winning the state by by the community. I know it, it, it's fine. I'm okay. I love them to death. I love I, I, Hartsville's. They love them some Hartsville basketball, and I know that that's why they just want to see the winning that they've had before, and I understand that. But to me. It's going to come, you know, when I got here, you're talking about they had nine wins in three years when I got here. So the first thing I had to do is teach kids how to play and how to win. And sometimes that takes time. And so I have the patience, the communities have patience with me and it's just, but I, I, I just gotta, I gotta just do what's right by the kids. And as long as that's the case, as long as that's what I'm doing, I can sleep at night.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Coach, we'd like to end here on a fun, on a fun final question. If I asked one of those girls that scored those six huge <coughs> points in that first game you ever coached, and I asked uh, Trey Hannibal, when they're doing their coach English impersonation. Oh, my God. Which they all have. You know they all do. What's the one thing in that impersonation that they say that you say all the time? Ah. Uh
2: the kids record me a lot because I say a lot of crazy things. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it'll probably be when I get upset because I go out of my way to give them, um, a good, uh, to give them a good, (laughs) to give them good pregame meals. I go out of my way for that. Um, I I just go out of my way. I think that they should, we feed them snack during, uh, study hall. I feel like kids should be fed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I and I think I went off a couple times and and I'll tell them man I ain't got to do this man I feed y'all peanut butter and jelly <laughs> I feed y'all peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like that's what you, that's, that's all you that's all you're giving me right now um I I don't and what's funny is I never remember it until they impersonate me. Uh, I once went off on a tangent about the guys prioritizing girls over basketball, and that was recorded. And so, uh, one of my—I'm now coaching one of those kids. I'm coaching his younger brother, and he—he he, the younger brother sent me the video, and I had to laugh at myself. Um, I so I don't have one thing that they would really—I don't think they could hone in on. Um, I, they just know that they're on their heels waiting for the next thing I'm gonna give them. Cause I'm always going to give them something for them to clown me about the next time. Um, and every year at the end, I do a little, uh, a little video and I have the kids impersonate me. Um, and so that, awesome. uh, <laughs> they, they get a chance to have a little bit of fun and I keep those, I keep all of that stuff every year cause it always allows me to go back and, and see the kids and, um, and just kind of reminisce a little bit over the kids I've had. And, you know, one day they're going to come back. Maybe one of them gets famous and I release it. <laughs> but, nah, I don't have one thing. Nah. I just know I say a bunch of crazy stuff all the time. Um, yeah, that's about
0: it. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Yusef English. Wow. What a, what an episode. Youssef! it's been um, an absolute pleasure. I, I mentioned it earlier, um, the Relationship Status podcast that you guys have oh. going on. Great <laughs> stuff. Anything else that you want to plug, please have at it.
2: Um, yeah. uh as Relationship Status podcast. is uh, myself, uh, C.O. Butler, who is one of the funniest guys ever, um, and uh, uh, Professor T. Uh, and, uh, uh, neat Cruz and, uh, co- show comes out every Monday and Wednesday. We have episodes that come out every mo- each Monday and Wednesday. Um, you can find it on all podcast platforms. Uh, we also have a podcast network called crux media group. Um, you can go ahead and you can just search it. Uh, we, we part, uh, we have another uh, podcast underneath that group called the DJ blaze radio show, as well as the staley English and Kirch show, uh, 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 Stanley English Kurtz show podcast which will be back sh- uh, shortly we're on a little hiatus uh, we'll be back shortly uh, Josh called me the other day so we got to get back in the lab um uh and that's pretty much it man um i want to thank you guys uh uh brian and chris um thank you for inviting me whenever you want me back i'll come back i, I hope i don't have to wait 59 episodes next time uh to be back <laughs> i figured we made a jersey connection here chris so you could kind of get me in. you can kind of get me in with brian and get me on a little bit more i you know, i kind of i, I kind of <laughs> enjoy I, I love podcasting i think it's, it's become one of my passions and i think after i'm, I'm done and this is probably what I'm going to end up doing, uh, doing this in some form. Um, and so, anytime y'all want me, I'm, I'll be here. So I appreciate you guys so so much.
0: Well, we thank you for coming on, and yeah, we, we'll have you back, and yeah, it won't take you fifty some episodes to get you back <laughs> on. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll we'll do a we'll do a combo episode, maybe get you and Josh, maybe maybe we can do a uh, get curtsy on here too. Who knows? Oh yeah, the, oh, possibilities dude. are endless, but endless. You know,
2: problems. Josh should be ready to do that. Josh always ready to talk. Josh <laughs> to talk. Josh ready to talk.
0: That's right. Well, <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and let's put a button on this one here. On this one, just an amazing episode. Coach, again, thank you so much for doing this. But for my co-host, Chris DeBlasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.